0: Welcome back to Diamond Gems, a Shaped by Sports baseball podcast. I am your host, Jacob Coates, and today I am joined by my brother and
1: co-host, Isaac Coates. How's Hello. it going? I, I didn't know if you are going to cue me in there, but I'm good, I'm good. How are you feeling? I am faxed
0: <laughs> up, and I've got a bit of a Pfizer hangover going on right now, but I am powering through, unlike Greg, who is apparently dying. Uh, we don't really know what was happening. We were supposed to record with Greg when he got back from the baseball game today. He was at the Jays game. So if you see a story on Shape by Sports, that was Greg at the game recording that awesome Blue Jays game that went down today. But uh, apparently he got home and basically died. And I don't think he's going to be joining us now. I don't know if this was a liquor-induced death or if, you know, maybe he ate a bad hot dog at the Rogers Center. You know, it's not the best food that they got there. So I don't know. I don't know what's happening with Greg, but he is not with us <laughs> today. Greg is no longer with us. <laughs> uh, prayers All right. up for Greg. Well, yeah, yeah. Thoughts and prayers to Greg, please. Well, let's get let's get into things here. Um, I think first things first, we should, you know, look at what's actually going on around the league in terms of the standings. Things are getting fucking lit right now, especially the NL East. I. I don't think, I think we kind of slept on this division a little bit. We had, I don't know if I'm speaking for both of us here, but I felt like, um, you know, the Mets kind of had this, a good grip on the division here. And I think if we we thought that someone was going to test them, it might be the Braves, the fucking Phillies, man. They've come out off the top rope and they're dropping bows and they have taken over the lead in, the NL East. What are your thoughts on the developments
1: in the NL East? Right I now? just I just think it's funny. Philly has taken over the East with a fifty nine and fifty three record. That's fine. They've won eight straight games, but their run differential is minus five. They are the only team that is in first place in their division that doesn't have at least a plus eighty run differential. <laughs> somehow That's they wild. are absolutely tearing it up. Um, you know what? The Mets. It's are- not
0: somehow. I know how. It's it's Bryce Harper who we'll get into a little bit. But it's true. Yeah, the Mets are actually in third now. Yeah, I was about and to say Atlanta has overtaken. So it's it's currently Philly, Atlanta, and the Mets, followed by the the Nats and Marlins who
1: don't really matter. But yeah. I'm still taking Atlanta down the stretch. There was a period of time at the beginning of the season I was like, "This is my team," and then we we're like, "Oh, maybe not." When everybody started just dropping, and then, yeah, like they're the only team in this division with a positive run differential. I know that doesn't always mean everything, as you see by these standings, but mm-hmm. Atlanta is also making a run. They're seven and three in their last ten. The I'm just it's the Mets that I think we need to focus on here, who are completely ice cold and mm-hmm. it, it doesn't look too promising right now
0: yeah they're missing some big parts right now obviously jacob Degrom and frankie Lindor, who is seemingly just starting to heat up a little bit after a pretty slow start in his new york mets tenure but i i agree with you you had the braves for sure but i think it, it was really the fact you know they lost soroka for the complete season um and then they lost Ozuna, and they lost Acuna Jr., obviously. So those are three huge pieces that you expect them to have and make a postseason push with, and they were just gone. But then Alex Anthopoulos went crazy at the deadline and picked up four outfielders. He just went out and bought a whole outfield. Greg and I talked about this in episode 12, but... they. Alex Anthopoulos doing Alex Anthopoulos things, going out and picking up what's needed to, you know, make the push. I guess he recognized this isn't really that good of a division and they don't have to be amazing to potentially win it. So, yeah.
1: It's crazy because I don't think we would have said at the beginning of the season that it's not that good of a division because we had Washington Mm -hmm. at the beginning where we thought maybe they could compete. We had New York Mets who going into this before the whole before Trevor Bauer took the Dodger route, before all that kind of fell all over the place, the Mets were in contention for him, and the Mets were in contention to displace the Dodgers atop the league when mm-hmm. they were when they were in that race. And now, going into the final stretch of the season, now we're concerned that they're not even going to make the playoffs. It's kind of crazy. Like I feel like we
0: had been expecting the Mets to pick it up. They have a lot of players on their team who we would think are very good players that have been underperforming all season. So we were like, they're already first in the division. You know, Francisco Lindor is gonna heat up. um, Some other guys like, you know, Jeff McNeil, um, Dom Smith, those type of guys. We kind of expected them to, you know, pick up the pace a little bit and really start getting it going. And that just hasn't happened unfortunately for them. And they're losing grip on this division. But yeah, let's let's talk about Bryce Harper here a little bit. He is literally dragging this team into the playoffs. This is 100% being carried by Bryce Harper. He is making a sneaky NL MVP candidate case. I don't know how you feel about that statement, but on the season right now, he's batting three oh two with an on base percentage over 400 and an OPS of 977. That was the last time I checked, which was last night when I made the note. So it could be a little bit lower now or higher. Who knows? But yeah. Um, he also has 19 home runs and 12 stolen bases. And as of late, he is just on an absolute tear. He's batting 435 with a 1472 OPS, four homers, and four steals in his last 15 games. So I want to ask you, Isaac. Obviously, we know, me and you know, from at least a fantasy perspective, that Bryce Harper is an excellent player. But would you consider him underrated?
1: You know, before I... Yeah, I really do. Um, He does so much more than the surface stats. People still look at the batting average as a measure, and he hasn't been that impressive with his batting average. He's only put it over 300 maybe once or twice in his career at this point. Uh, yeah, literally has three seasons, including this one, with a batting average over 300. But his OPP is always plus. His slugging percentage is always plus. 30-plus uh, home runs every season. Absolutely, is underrated. Because people at the beginning, we used to talk about him being overrated. But because mm-hmm. he was drafted first overall, he was compared to Mike Trout all the time. He's a different player than Mike Trout. I definitely think he is underrated. And if it weren't for his 2015 season, that really was just absolutely incredible. I'll run through some of those numbers. He had a 460 OBP, a 649 slugging percentage. Obviously, he was the MVP that season, 42 home runs. He set the bar too high that he could never repeat that. And he's put up good seasons ever since then. But nobody's noticing because it's not the same.
0: Yeah, he was like one of those absolute golden boys. He's a first overall pick. You know, he came, he came into the league at 19 and won Rookie of the Year and was an All-Star in his first season as well. And, you know, so people just had such high hopes for him. You know, I, I don't know, Isaac, if you remember um, that Sports Illustrated cover that he had, I think it was like 2010 or something, Um I think I talked about it a little bit more later in the podcast because, foreshadowing, we are breaking down our all-time Expos and Nats team, and he may or may not be mentioned at that point. But yeah, he was like the absolute golden boy of of this franchise coming into it. Um, it, it the expectations were just through the roof. And most of the time when you see someone that has those type of expectations, it's so hard for them to meet them. And honestly, like, four of his 10 seasons he had an on-base percentage over 400 like that's crazy he obviously signed that massive massive contract it was 13 years 330 million that kind of hurt him a little bit too because he hasn't technically been an all-star well he hasn't been an all-star since he signed that deal with Philly now we should note that in 2020 obviously there was no all-star game so he's basically 0 for 2 in all-star attempts in Philadelphia but he like I don't know what I need to tell people about him. like if you just go look at his baseball reference page, you'll see that he is not overrated and overpaid like a lot of people seem to. think he definitely is honestly so good at this point um, that he's like kind of underrated. like it's it's just it's a really weird predicament based on you know the hype and expectations and stuff it's just so hard for him to meet it even if he is actually one of the best players in the league
1: yeah absolutely that's a solid point yeah I, we just when we're talking about like the top 10 players at this point in the league I don't know if we have even ever mentioned him and no. what he does I mean he's also brings a pretty solid defensive presence that kind yep. of flies under the radar as well um Overall team he leader hasn't won a Gold yeah.
0: Glove, but he's a very good defensive yeah. player. Yeah,
1: he also is one of those players that advocates for winning, which is mm-hmm. a big thing to me. Like he couldn't get it done in Washington, and I think maybe that's part of the reason there was that billing that he was over overpaid, overrated because they won a World Series after he left, and obviously we're mm-hmm. going to talk about that. But yeah, there's this a whole lot of things that go along with Bryce Harper that, yeah, sway in both yeah. directions.
0: As as we as I mentioned, we will probably talk about him a little bit more later on in the podcast, but uh, one last thing I wanted to note is that he was dealing with, like, I was watching a couple of those Philly games kind of earlier in the year, and he had some sort of shoulder or, like, arm issue or something, and you could tell that he was playing at, like, 60%. Like, he did not have any power. He was just going up there trying to draw a walk, or, you know, uh, just hit a bloop single type of situation. So if you look at the leaderboards right now, and you don't see him atops the leagues in home runs, as you know, everyone kind of thinks he's this big power guy. I think that's a big reason there's a bit of a dent in his in his power numbers so far this year. And I mean, he's no slouch, he's still hit 19 homers. So um, yeah, but anyways, let's move on to the other side of the league. And that is the American League East versus the NL East. Obviously, this is getting super heated up. Me and you have been to a couple games now. We're actually bad luck. We've we've been to two games and uh, the Jays have lost both of those games that we've attended. Those are the only two games that they've lost in the time that they've been back in Toronto. So Isaac and I are going to stop going to baseball games in Toronto because obviously we are
1: cursed. <laughs> um, yeah, just to touch on them more, they're nine. Yeah, nine and two. Since being home. And I've been to two games. Those have both been the losses. So, yes. Jacob said, we are definitely cursed. I don't know if I'll be attending another game. Because, I mean, I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. So, I think I'll hold off. Michael Scott. (laughs) Michael Scott. Okay. I just want to put this into perspective with the Jays. Jays are 10 games over 500. They're 60 and 50. And they're in fourth place in their division currently philadelphia is 59 and 53 in first place so not only are the J- do the jays have a better record than philly who's in first place the jays are like just hovering above baltimore right now in this super tight race
0: Mhm. it's it's pretty wild the, the way things are shaking out here the red sox who had a pretty decent lead on the division have obviously lost that lead to the Tampa Bay Rays. They are completely spiraling right now. They are, are they two and 10 in their last 10? Does that make sense? After they lost today? Boston? I think that's still,
1: yeah. Two and 10 in their last 10. I mean, in their last 12, maybe, but they're in their last 10, they're two and eight.
0: Oh, that's (laughs) that's what I meant. (laughs) Sorry.
1: I always, I'm like a minorly
0: dyslexic. I think I always (laughs) fuck that up. But yeah, and then obviously you have the Yankees coming on strong. I think they were 8-2 and two in their last 10. I got it right that time. Uh, Rizzo and Gallo obviously have been big contributors. Those are the guys that they went out and got at the deadline. So it, things are just going to be, It's obviously the Rays also are just doing what they do, you know, holding their holding their lead. They're just a very good ball team and they kind of just keep chugging away. How do you think things are going to shake out here? Do you do you anticipate the Red Sox continuing this downward sp- downward spiral, and is it going to be a race between the Jays, Yankees, and um, Tam- and Tampa Bay?
1: I mean, I think they're going to level out, but I don't think Boston's a real going to be a contender when it comes down to it. Just the way uh, the Yankees and the Blue Jays and the Rays built up their teams going into this postseason run. I I think they're strong. They're obviously stronger teams at this point. Even with Chris Hale returning soon, I don't believe mm-hmm. that Chris Sale will be the one to put them over the edge at this point, since his his Coming absence back from has Tom been John. yeah, like in extended absence. Absence. I don't know if I said that right. Whatever. Um, but down the stretch, this is a wild card race. Regardless, I don't know who's gonna win this our division, our division. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah. the Fiest. AL wild card right now is the one to look at. And Oakland is currently leading on leading them. Uh, it's pretty crazy to me. Are you gonna touch on the West at all, or are we just? No, you can you can say whatever you want. All man. right. They're also eight and two in their last ten. They've won four straight games. Um, I'm pretty sure that included today. Yes, they did win today. So currently, it's Oakland and Boston City in that seed. But the Yankees are two and a half, and the Jays are three games off. Seattle is finally falling off a little bit, as we expected. Um, so down this stretch, this is literally this is pretty crazy because it's going to come down to four teams in the AL East and one team in the AL West, and then yeah, I mean I don't who, who do you think who's who's, who's going to claim these last the two wild card spots?
0: Oh man, I don't I don't know like it's it's I want to say that it's going to be Oakland and and Toronto, but. I might be thinking with my heart. I did say that I think that the Jays are going to have a huge second half. Obviously they went out and got Barrios, they picked up some bullpen arms. They really added a good amount of depth to their team and I can't say it enough. Like I think it's such a huge factor that the Jays are actually back in Toronto. You look at their record now since they've been home. You said 9 and 2. Like that's they've they've literally been playing on the road for like 2 years. So yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go with with Oakland and, and Toronto for for the wild card there and I think that Tampa Bay takes the division okay so. I one thing we also will be my picks. one thing
1: we need to look at with Toronto is their upcoming schedule so yep they play Orioles 10 times through the rest of the season that's the most of any other team they play in the division but they play they go to the they go to L.A., play the Angels this week, I believe. And then they're playing Seattle, who is their toughest competition. And then we play two other bottom feeders. I'm not positive who it is. I believe we're playing Detroit and maybe Texas. I'm not sure. But in the next two weeks for the Jays is a fairly easy-going schedule. So I mm-hmm. think if they can make up some ground there, they're going to put themselves in a position where they will see themselves ahead of the Yankees.
0: Yeah, this Boston series was a huge series for them. They obviously took 3 out of the 4 games. So that was that was very very important for them to gain some ground on Boston and, you know, they needed to take advantage of a struggling Boston team and they did that. So, I'm obviously very happy with how this weekend went and I'm really excited to see the rest of the season here. Is there anything else you want to touch on like standings wise as we move as we move uh, before we move on here?
1: Um I think I mean the NL West race going on to um mm-hmm. that whole division. The three teams in that division are all gonna make the playoffs. I don't think yeah. do you think Cincinnati or Atlanta or whoever's whoever's competing in this the East or the Central, do you think they have any chance of taking over the two wild card spots?
0: I definitely don't think there will be any wild cards coming from the NL East. I do. I'm looking at the standings here. Cincinnati is 61 and 51. I think that they have a shot potentially, but I've I've been waiting for them to heat up all season, and it just hasn't really happened. They've just kind of been middling the whole time, and it's going to be very hard for them to overtake San Francisco or the Dodgers. I think, if anything, they have a shot at maybe overtaking the Padres. You know, Padres are scuffling right now. They've well, they're actually not. They're they're five are, and five. They're uh, five and five now. yeah yeah but I mean obviously they have a huge loss in Fernando Tatis their pitching staff has not been healthy this entire year I think that if if there's going to be one kind of upset if there's going to be someone that wins the wild card that's not from the NL West I think that it could potentially be Cincinnati from the NL Central but I wouldn't put money on that I right now my heart says that you know, Giants or Dodgers are going to win the NL West, and then the other two remaining teams—you know, the, the Padres and whoever comes in second—are going to be the wild card winners. So that's that's my guess, but I mean, there's no way of of knowing, and uh, we'll just have to wait and see see how it goes. Well, what's your take on it? Like, do you think it all of the wild card, the two wild card spots, are both going to be from the NL West?
1: Yeah, I think San Francisco is going to claim the first wild card spot actually no i don't know if san diego i don't know i like san diego at the beginning of the season but yeah they don't actually excite me as much as i down the stretch i just feel like they're kind of losing momentum to be honest and i
0: i I apologize i know we do have a couple at padres fans that listen to this podcast so i don't want to shit on your team you guys have a fantastic team but you just dealt with a ton of injuries this year and it's, it's definitely hurting them. Obviously, he went out and got a little bit of depth at the deadline, but I, I don't know. It's,
1: it's, it's going to be really tough. I don't know what all their schedules are looking like down the stretch, but the West teams have to take some wins away from each other and allow some ground to be made up by Cincinnati, too. That's one other concern I have. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, it wouldn't be surprising if all three of these teams get in. That's
0: for sure. One of the uh, one of the podcasts I was listening to recently actually did say too that uh, Philadelphia has the easiest schedule in baseball the rest of the season. So I guess we will kind of just wait and see how that shakes out. But they definitely have a chance to run away with the division
1: here. Oh, is that supposed yeah. to jump in there? <laughs> okay, nothing else. Nothing no, I else. Thought, I thought you yeah, really if you had anything to else to say, so. but
0: all right <laughs> no not really uh we we can move on though i we we did mention that you know some people have made some deadline pickups obviously isaac greg and i talked about it last week um discussing like the biggest deadline deals and kind of what we thought of them has there been any deadline acquisitions that have really like jumped out to you like who has been your favorite deadline acquisition okay. to see on before team? i say it,
1: it's this person but uh I, want, just want, I wanted to say it last week, but I wasn't here. I just wanted to just take a moment to recognize what Miami Marlins had done with Starling Marte, which is a pretty incredible maneuver they did over the past two seasons. So last year, they were contending for a playoff spot, which they had no reason to contend for other than the fact that it was a 60-game season. They should never have been buyers, but they went out and got Starling Marte knowing that since they were going for it this season, they have one more year of him, and then knowing they will be able to sell him the following season for a high price. So that's exactly what they did. Unfortunately, Starling Marte had an injury early in the season that may have devalued him a little bit more. Although, I mean, at the end of the day, they got Jose Lizardo, which, Jesus Lizardo, sorry, who, Mm -hmm. I mean... The 333 average against a fastball is extremely concerning, but he's always been regarded as a, a top-pitching prospect. But to go out, pick this guy up for a rental, basically, and then flip him the next next season, season, season when you become the seller that you should have been is pretty incredible. And he has also been my favorite acquisition for Oakland. It's pretty crazy. He's only played in eight games, but in those eight games... He's batted a line of three seventy one four twenty one six hundred, so that's an OPS over a thousand, which is obviously going to come down because his career mark is seven ninety seven. He'll probably hover around the low eights, which is still pretty solid. But he has five stolen bases. Did I get that right? No, he has actually. I was wrong. He has six stolen bases in those eight games, and he has two home runs in those eight games. He has seven runs as well, thirteen his. He's been huge for that team, and that veteran presence is going to take him down the stretch for sure. It's also amazing to watch Oakland become a buyer, Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah you Craig guys talked to about that, up last up that last week. week, so what about you, though? Who's, who you got?
0: Well, I just wanted to say there is definitely a Marte parte going on in Oakland. He hit that walk-off homer the other night that really just cemented him into the into the clubhouse there, but... Yeah, it's, he's been, he's been definitely fun to watch. I know he's one of your favorite kind of like under the radar type of players in the league. So I, I'm not surprised that you picked him. I think, uh, I got to go Scherzer and Turner, the, the combo there. I've watched a few Dodgers games. They just keep coming on after the Jays game. So I just let it roll. But Scherzer had that, you know, that great debut for them where he went seven innings. Uh, I don't think he gave up any runs. It was, it was, a, it was a good outing for sure. Um, and a big win for for the Dodgers. He was fired up out there on the mound and I am excited to see Max Scherzer in the playoffs. Playoff Mad Max is is something I'm always here to watch. So, you know, even if it is for the the evil empire of the Dodgers, I'm excited to see him compete down the stretch. And then Trey Turner has also been on a tear since he came back from the COVID injured list and has he's been a big contributor so far for them as well. And the, the top four in their lineup now is just completely fucked. Like last night when I was watching, it was Turner, Muncy, Betts, and Seeger, the top four. Like pretty much all four of those guys could literally be a team's best hitter if they went to another team. So their their lineup is absolutely stacked and their rotation is no different. I think people forget too that like Cody Bellinger is on this team. You, you look at what he's accomplished in his career he's only 25 years old he's won an mvp and a rookie of the year he's having a really down year and he basically is just like batting seventh for the dodgers like he's just swept under the rug and i mean it'll be interesting to see if he can turn it on at any point i know neither of us have been like super high on him in his career but just the fact that he's like cody bellinger is your seventh hitter right now okay what's
1: crazier to me is how much more Chris Taylor gets swept under the rug, who is one of the most valuable yeah. utility players in baseball, who is easily having a 2020 season this year. And he brings mm-hmm. significant value as well to that lineup. I think, uh, did I hear last week Greg talking shit about the whole salary thing in LA? This Yankee fan. No, I don't okay. think so. Oh no, that was in the chat. It was in our group chat. He was talking shit about the how the Dodgers how they need a cap, like a salary cap, because the Dodgers are spending like crazy. This is coming from a fucking Yankees fan when all that team does is spend money. So I mean, they're playing the Yankee game right he, now. So I mean, it's crazy when a Yankee fan gets gets offended by Dodgers doing Yankee things. Yeah, <laughs> fuck you,
0: Greg. You know what? <laughs> fuck you, Greg. If you're listening, if you're if you're come back and listen to this podcast fuck you you yankee uh, he literally said uh, I the, I think the direct quote and I'm I'm going to probably misquote him here but this is a direct quote <laughs> cro- quote from Greg must be nice to be able to go out and just purchase those guys and then he did kind of backtrack and say I guess this is coming from a Yankees fan
1: but I didn't catch it I didn't greg. hear that
0: you you peak <laughs> little bitch uh poor greg all right uh obviously Jose Barrios has been Awesome to watch as a Blue Jay fan too. He's had two excellent starts so far. And I know you're you're just eagerly awaiting going out and buying a Jose Barrios jersey. Yeah, I so. broke
1: down yesterday because the Jays are terrible at marketing. Like he's been he's got traded over a week ago. Almost two weeks ago, if not two weeks ago. We went on game one. Well, actually game two. So his after the day after his first start
0: of the double yeah
1: well, no, last week. We went after his first start. They didn't have a jersey. They didn't oh, have gosh, a jersey yeah. or a sh- any shirts of him. That's fine because it's super early. I went yesterday, the second game of the doubleheader, because I wanted to watch him pitch. Same fucking thing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So stupid. I broke down and bought, bought a Springer j- shirt. But
0: Another shirt? So you have two shirts now. You bought the Vladdy shirt and now you have I Springer I had to get the shirt?
1: Springer one because I couldn't wear my Vladdy shirt because it was too wrinkled and I want to look like a bum at the ballpark without a shirt
0: this guy look at these these fat stacks A guy who goes to the ballpark every game and buys a new shirt well you picked a you picked a good one he obviously was yeah. a hero tonight but I finally uh, forgive. a couple him. other guys obviously yeah a couple other guys i wanted to touch on uh, chris bryant pause that sounded sus uh chris bryant has been very good in uh a giant's uniform you know he had uh, a big night too um I, I don't know i've liked i've liked seeing seeing him Uh, have success there I always felt like he was kind of in this weird situation with the Cubs where you know he he had kind of the Bryce Harper treatment as well where he was like a golden boy coming into the league and just was never truly had had some down years and stuff and uh, I don't know I I, I'm I'm happy to see him doing well in a new environment and I like seeing the Giants do well as well because that's a, a cool storied franchise that I like to see succeed uh, Javi Baez has not been that
1: great. He hasn't been Are that great surprised? for a couple of years now. Are you surprised by no, yeah, that? Exactly. Like, anybody that no. expects more than a 250 average out of a guy that strikes out and swings wildly like that is crazy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely crazy. Um, yeah. I am
0: excited to see Lindor come back, though, and take to some see pressure the pressure off. The defensive, the defensive combo of Baez at second and Lindor at shortstop. That would be pretty cool, I oh, think. Oh, for sure.
1: I think them going out and acquiring. Baez takes a lot of pressure off of the strain that uh, Lindor is going through this season dealing with those I I don't know if we have Mets fans here as much as we love having listeners Mets fans fucking suck man
0: oh come on I actually don't know if we have any Mets fans either but and I I am a Mets fan remember I told you at the beginning of this year then you suck (laughs) <laughs> i was i was definitely anti Mets frankie lindor are you then. still a
1: mets fan then yeah why not H- have you seen
0: I've, okay, i liked I this thought, man i thought that city field was underrated when we went there i've always loved their uniforms i like that they're kind of the the underdog of the new york teams even though it's you know nl al it's it is you different. know but i like the i like the over mets. francisco lindor's career fan, over so.
1: his career he's always looked super happy playing and like i mean you can't really judge it you judge a book by his cover like that. He looked like he was having fun every day during his career in Cleveland, and I have watched m- multiple games, many games this year with the Mets, and he does not look like he's enjoying it. Like, how how long until they start booing Bias now? I'll give him a couple of weeks. As long as <laughs> yeah, their little no, skid it's, continues, it it's was. gonna happen. I want to be surprised if yeah, DeGrom yeah. has a couple of rough outings, they'll get booed too. They have no fucking, rem- they don't remember what people have done. <laughs> like it's just. No. Yeah. It's true.
0: I, I think that too often there's, there's definitely some fan bases that will just fall into a, a recency bias and forget who the person is. And uh, yeah, it's, it's stupid. But anyways, uh, let's move on to the home run race. Shohei is still leading the way with 37, unless he hit one today. Uh, Vladi is at 35. He's hot on his tail. The craziest thing to me is that Tatis is still holding down the third-place spot with 31 home runs. It's so sad, man, to see him get hurt again. He's been arguably the best per-game hitter this season. He only has 87 games played versus everyone else on this leaderboard basically who's hovering around like 105 games played and you know he's still third in home runs in the entire MLB he man he's he's such an exciting player to watch and it's just so sad to see him hurt yeah I mean
1: Um, that's what I was saying about the Padres like without him that the excitement is gone he's the life of that team
0: yeah for sure but it's, it's tough. he's He's definitely the heart of that heart and soul of that team. So when when he's down, it's just I think it's hard to keep the energy at the same same level. you know Adam Frazier was a good pickup, but he's not gonna he's not gonna get people going like Fernando Tatis Jr. So yeah, that sucks. Uh, Matt Olson is actually in fourth with 28. Kind of interesting. he's like almost like he's like nine home runs back from the lead in fourth place. Shohei and Vladdy really starting to kind of run away with this um Sal Perez still on the leaderboard tied (laughs) for fifth with 27 home runs so that's that's pretty wild uh what's your prediction I know we already did it I think you picked did you pick Vladdy as the home run king yeah yeah and I think I stuck with Shohei so we'll see how things go here I honestly wouldn't be surprised if we see Shohei kind of slow down yeah, a little bit here at the end, just because that you have to think about the physical toll that the pitching and basically when he's not pitching, being in the lineup all the time, like, <sighs> well, even when he is pitching, sometimes he's in the lineup. So he's just playing so much baseball and putting such a strain on himself. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he can, if he can keep up all the way through for the rest of the season. I
1: um, When I picked Vladdy, I said that I kind of contradicted myself because I said there's no way that this man wins a home run crown without winning MVP. And I don't think... Now I'm kind of backing myself up against that because there is a situation where he overtakes Shohei and Shohei still gets that MVP. Which Mm -hmm. is pretty wild to me.
0: I honestly... And I think it's so hard to make a case against Shohei Otani when you literally consider that he is collecting batting war and pitching war. So even if he's not the exact same, like even if he's not better than Vladimir Guerrero Jr., I think we, me and you, at least, could agree. And if you look at the numbers right now, outside of home runs, they favor Vladimir Guerrero Jr. as being the best hitter mm-hmm. in the league. So, but but even if he's second, if the if he's the second best hitter in the league, and he's like. A top 20 starting pitcher in major league baseball it's fucking wild like i don't know how you can't make him the mvp like that there's nothing more valuable than having one player do two jobs exceptionally yeah
1: so and play he's played in 106 games this season for example mm-hmm. marcus semien i'm pretty sure has played in every single game no he hasn't or has he 110 have they played 110 games? I don't I know. Think Vladi,
0: was, Vladi was on a tear before, too, yeah. where he said he he wanted to oh, play wait, every yeah. game. Yeah, so Ruger, Vladi had his first... Ended up giving him a couple of rest I think games.
1: that was his first day off. So I'm pretty sure Simeon has played every single game this season for the Jays, which is 110. Shohei Otani has appeared in 106 games. That's, that's nuts. <laughs> like, just imagine... I mean, the man is obviously freak in nature, but that can't be sustained over multiple years. There's no way. I know,
0: that's why everyone keeps saying that it's got to be like the Babe Ruth thing at some point, right? Where he he has to pick, are you going to be a hitter or are you going to be a pitcher? I think we could probably agree that we'd rather see him, if he has to choose between the two, I think we'd rather see him as a hitter. I think that's where... 50
1: to 60 bombs a year. (laughs) Yeah,
0: and and potentially even play right field too. Um, He might even steal more bases because, you know, maybe he's not as worried about... Getting getting his fingers injured if he's uh if he doesn't have to go out there and pitch every six he has days, made
1: a lot of stolen base attempts he has fifteen stolen bases but he's been caught seven times too like he he's it's not right. like he's he's not hesitating
0: that's like when you look at the older stolen base numbers from back in the day there's all these guys that were like stolen base kings but they're getting thrown out like like half the time almost it seemed yeah. like
1: I want to look at the stolen base yeah. leaders just as an example of.
0: I know he's. I know that uh, Shohei is actually up there in, like, sprint speed, though. Like, he's actually, like, one of the fastest players in baseball, yeah. which I think kind of gets swept under the rug a lot when you actually think of it. Like, you think of him as this, this power hitter and a power pitcher, but I think people forget how how fast he actually
1: is as but well. He I'd be interested to see him play
0: though. right field a little more, right? Yeah. Would, would
1: you like to see him play no, outfield more? not at all. I do not want to see Why him not? in the field. <laughs> unless he's pitching. Why? Because he's going to get hurt. You see f- shit like yeah, that okay. happen all the time. We don't need him. He's He can stay as a DH. We don't want him in the field at this point. Unless he's just becoming a full-time hitter. Um, I just wanted to look at the stolen bases. Just for a reference point. To see where his 7 caught stealings are. As opposed to his 15 stolen bases. So Whit Merrifield and Sarlan Marte are top two in the league for stolen bases. Whit Merrifield has... 30 stolen bases and has only been caught once. Starling has had 29 stolen bases and only been caught three times. So, Otani has a very high sprint speed, but he has not actually been effect- that effective stealing bases this year.
0: hmm Yeah. Man, I love Shohei, yeah. I mean, the, it doesn't really matter if you point They caught stealing with him. So. I'm, I'm very interested to just see like, his trajectory. Of his career, did you see the Dallas Braden comment? No, from the other day, he said like he he had like a bit of a hot take saying we got to get Shohei out of Anaheim. He's or I guess they're L A now, right, Los Angeles, Angeles. I mean, they're of or, Anaheim. Either way, they still play in Anaheim, right? Yeah. Um, he said he's like we got to get them out of there. Or we got to get Otani out of there. We can't can't waste them over there. But what do you, what do you think about that? Do you think that like Do you think that Shohei... Because, I I mean, we kind of saw it in the home run derby. I'm not sure... Like, we haven't seen an opportunity for Shohei to, you know, actually be, like, super in a super competitive environment. Do you think that he's a guy that would thrive in that type of situation? Or do you think he's kind of better um, just being this, like... Like, I don't want to call him an animal, but, like, a zoo animal that people (laughs) just come out to see. You know, like, he's 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 just... There's all these... There's not yeah well and Anaheim that's it's perfect. Um,
1: yeah. I want I'm just gonna disregard his the clear nervousness that he had in the home run derby and the All Star game, and he
0: did have the entire country of Japan
1: watching I know. him. I he's definitely <laughs> a guy that can succumb to like he's gonna be great. Like he's going to be great under pressure. Um, Dallas Braden. I don't even think it's a hot take. Players just die in Anaheim. Mike Trout. Is going to be wasted. Have this Hall of Fame career just wasted in Anaheim. You saw you saw pool holes in, in Anaheim. Anthony Rendon's start to his career in Anaheim. God awful. This is where oh. players do not see the light eventually. I don't know if this is just a vax,
0: but you're making my stomach turn, <laughs> you're making me feel sick yeah
1: no (laughs) it's it's so
0: true man i i i want and you know their their fans deserve it too like you can't just keep like playing with the fans like this (laughs) they keep just fucking dangling these little toys in front of them like oh we've got shohei otani come out to the game you can get a shohei otani pillow or come see the best baseball player like alive mike trout he's he's out there in center field just come take a look at him watch he does cool stuff (laughs) like ignore the fact that we lose all the time like just Uh, come look at these guys they're it's they're an exhibit this is
1: what happens when you allow your gm to have just they're terrible at their pitching picks like dylan hey man they they just drafted what
0: 17 pitchers straight let's (laughs) see how it goes that's a
1: sure sign of they don't know what the fuck they're doing we're gonna draft 17 of them because we have no idea how to evaluate pitching talent
0: they're literally just throwing darts, hoping that something <laughs> they're
1: hurts. ace going into this year. I I mean I were we expecting Shohei to be the ace this year for them? Okay. Yes. I okay, was. but but they went and got Dylan Bundy, and that man has still has like a seven year array.
0: Was he one of the guys that puked on the mound? Oh he was the guy that, Did he, you see he, that? yeah
1: he peeked on the mound and then immediately went to the bullpen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man. That's a that's a that's quite the uh was gross. The display to put on. That was that was the like the best highlight oh of him this God. entire year, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Things things aren't going that well. Let's uh, let's move away from the MLB and actually uh, we're talking about Shohei. So let's uh, let's keep things going over to Japan, um, Olympic baseball. Isaac, did you watch
1: any of it? I watched uh, Jose Bautista. <laughs> yep that's it and julio rodriguez i wanted to see julio uh who obviously is a top I'm, one of the, is now the top prospect for mm-hmm. i guess Kellenick doesn't fall under that anymore does he um top prospect he, what do you I mean? mean he's not a prospect anymore well, just because I, he's not a, i don't i say once you now. come to the mlb you're no, long, no longer a prospect like mm-hmm. done you're in the mlb now you're a rookie yeah, you're, a rookie. you're, you're here. a rookie now julio rodriguez gotcha. i wanted to watch him play which is cool um mm-hmm. and Jose Joey bats but i had honestly like i had no interest in the Olympic Semien baseball Woods
0: Richardson a guy that we were interested in he's no longer a blue no jay longer interested prospect in- but he was actually on team USA which i found interesting too um i, I i'd like to get Greg's take on this cuz i think we're kind of the same in terms of like how we feel about Olympic baseball this year but are you pro or against MLB players participating in the Olympics? Like, would you rather that MLB gets put on pause briefly for them to go, MLB players to go compete in the Olympics? Or are you, do you like the way it was this year?
1: I don't know how, I know there's people that like the way it is having amateurs play in the Olympics, but... Shout out to our family. Shout out to our family that doesn't watch baseball. (laughs) Yeah, but so they maybe they don't know what they're talking about but okay the olympics is where the best of the best go to compete so why are you putting guys that don't play professional baseball aside for the aside from the japanese players and the korean players and Mm -hmm. all those guys on that side that have professional baseball where they do take a break i just don't understand Mm -hmm. how you can say that the best players shouldn't be in it I don't think MLB should take a break. I think they should just get rid of the Olympics. We have the WBC. Uh, We don't need baseball in the Olympics anymore. The World Baseball Classic is the Olympics. It's the epitome for baseball in in that international spotlight for me. I don't know. What about you, though?
0: Yeah, so obviously I'm on the same page as you. I definitely think, like, anytime there's a competition amongst countries, like, the same thing happens in hockey. They have, like, that, I think it's, like, the IIHF. Competition or something like that, and it's always like like the goalie that's going is like fucking Devin Dubnik for for Canada when obviously like Canada's best goalie is like a marc Andre Fleury or like a Carey Price like you're not sending the best so it's not the best representation of the country so what is what is the point it's like who has the best amateur players like who's got the best of the rest like it's ridiculous so. I'm actually putting. I was working before we uh, jumped on here. I'm putting together uh, some rosters of like the the could have been teams uh, for the top three. So like what USA's team would look like, um, Dominican's team, and then Japan is very similar to what uh, it actually was because as you mentioned, they were the they were the favorites going into this because they were the only professional baseball players in the tournament. The the Nippon Professional Baseball League in Japan. Is basically Japan's MLB. It's I think we can pretty much all agree that talent-wise, it's like the second best baseball league behind the MLB. So they, like you said, they took a break and they sent all of the best Japanese players to this tournament. So it was no surprise to see them win. They were heavy favorites. Um, but but yeah, I, I definitely think that I would like to see either they just take it out because you don't have the best available.
1: And you know, throw in another another sport. Um, it would be it would it would yeah. be huge for the MLB to show their players on a on a bigger spotlight. But I don't. Mm. How does their schedule allow that? It would never allow that. The players' union and the MLB, the owners, they wouldn't agree. I don't think will ever. I don't think it's very unlikely we'll ever see MLB players compete in this. So. I mean, if they want if the Olympic Committee wants to keep doing it, who knows, they'll throw fucking breakdancing in. So, I don't know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I think the other thing you have to consider, too, is it probably would never actually be a collection of the best players. Like, it's pretty much just impossible to make that happen because even the guys that are, like, the best of the best, if they're on a competitive team in the MLB, like we saw Vladdy turn down the home run derby, because he wanted to focus on winning with Toronto and, you know, give himself a rest, he might not go and participate in, in the Olympics. So it's still not the best of the best. Um, yeah, I, I kind of agree that I'm, I'm a big fan of the world baseball classic because it doesn't interfere with the MLB schedule. So the guys that are willing to go, it is like the closest thing to, you know, a a representation of it. And it's very exciting baseball. I have a terrible
1: solution that works. Um, Basketball is played in the winter, but it's in the summer Olympics. Cuz it's and it's the off season. So maybe we should move baseball to the winter Olympics and then it'll be the off season so the best can compete. Done.
0: That's that's not a terrible idea.
1: I mean, it, I mean no it is not cuz like baseball it's, it's in the winter, it's Olympics definitely not would a, a fucked. <laughs> yeah, never mind. That is throw some skates like on the them, idea, throw I like the idea of some snow like on the field. opening in it winter. Up. It's a winter sport.
0: Okay, so basically what we both agree on then is just watch the world baseball classic. We don't need Olympic or baseball. Or put
1: Olympic baseball in the Winter Olympics.
0: Okay, yeah. <laughs> no, definitely on board with that.
1: Those are the those are the only two options. Done. Sealed. All right. All right.
0: Perfect. Well, would you like to move into our Montreal Expos slash Washington Nationals all time
1: roster? Sure thing. Um You have a little intro please? <laughs> yeah, us? but first of all, like who wants to bring baseball back to Montreal? <laughs> All right, so Washington Nationals. Try not. Okay, I
0: hold on before you start this, and I know we're kind of both on the same page with you know Montreal getting their team back and everything, but don't shit on them too hard. It won't because I can confirm that I have a bunch of people that I've met in Montreal that listen to this podcast that are diehard Expos fans. So don't don't hurt. I won't hearts, hurt Isaac. them
1: too much, but I'm. I'm, I, I'll, a, little a little bit, little is, bit okay. is okay. They can handle it. All right. So, the Washington Nationals. This is our first split franchise, and many more will follow. But this is the first time we had a team that relocated. So, the first Canadian team entered the league in 1969, and that was the Montreal Expos. They played in Montreal all the way up until 2004 when they were moved to and revived by the more worthy city of Washington, D.C., where they have been up until this day. The Expos began their tenure with 10 straight losing seasons. In 1981, the team won its only division title and proceeded to lose in the NLCS. They were then sold in 1991, and after the 1994 season, the Expos sold off their top players and the little fans that they had at that moment because of their terrible They're terrible teams that their ownership group put on the field. They sold them all off, so the little fans that they had left started disappearing too. And the MLB purchased this franchise that averaged a lower attendance than Tampa Bay for an extended period of time. Um, They purchased them in 2002 and they were moved to a city where fans would show up for the 2005 season. And I had a thing where I was like, "Why should Montreal get another go?" But they didn't have a chance to succeed. They didn't have a ch- the fans didn't have a chance to go watch them because they're they were the most mismanaged organization in baseball. They were sold mm-hmm. off constantly. I mean, the dwindling fan support is extremely worrisome. But I mean, who knows what the future holds? But my theory is. Are we going to, they're going to have, if they go back to Montreal, they might have five years of high attendances. And I mean, fans are pretty fair weather. I know there's obviously some diehard fans, and I'm sure there's expo fans that are listening to our podcast today. I know Jacob's got some friends in Montreal, but there's too many fair weather baseball fans in Montreal that aren't going to watch them if this franchise is struggling 10 years down the line. But, anyways, I w- they, No. Well, before you, before
0: you move on with that, I just want to jump in as well. And I, because I do agree with you, so I'm going to back it up Uh, to me. You had your shot at having a franchise The the, if you want to keep your team there, you have to show up. It doesn't matter if the team's bad. If you're not showing up to the games, you, you're going to lose your franchise because what is important to them is ticket sales. And that generates the most of their revenue you know so like it you have to show up so to me it's like if there's going to be another team that comes back to canada it's got to go to vancouver because i think that they they haven't had a shot as canadians me and you we know that vancouver is a hot spot for baseball in canada so to me that's where i think it should potentially head. just as a reference um, point i also think yeah you know there's other teams too just like we we, we talked about before like nashville vegas I think you have to try one of those spots before you bring some bring baseball back to a place where it already failed.
1: Um just as a reference point for uh, attendance, in 1998 they averaged 11,000 fans. So you're not going to hold a franchise if that is what your fan base is looking like regardless of how strugg- how much that team was struggling. Like if you're having 11,000 fans, you don't deserve a team. Mm-hmm. But yep, in regard to having second chances maybe there's hope because the nationals are actually the eighth major league franchise to be located in dc <laughs> eight major league baseball franchises i did in not DC you're giving me a history crazy of crazy but it's they're the first since 1971 <laughs> um in 2012 they won the nl east and made their first playoff appearance they won the East again in 2014, 2016, and 2017, but fans were getting super frustrated because they lost in the NLDS each time. But in 2019, they finally broke free after having a terrible start to that season where they were projected to have a 1.5% chance of winning the World Series. They came back, won their first World Series title against the Houston Astros, cheating team that was also in 2019. They, they, they were cheated, cheated in 2019, but whatever. Um, and they still lost. To the Nationals, who had just lost Bryce Harper to free agency. And that is where the Bryce Harper's overrated talk starts chiming in because they won it without him the year after he left when they had a lesser team. But anyways, so they're one-time World Series champion. Uh, They had lots of up-and-down years. They had back-to-back first overall picks where they used Steven Strasburg, who is still part of that organization, and Bryce Harper. And that revived this organization that has been around for since 1969 and they finally got true life from them but um mm. yeah don't get this
0: wrong though there is a ton of talent on this oh, expo no and nationals team this team is super super deep this is by far the best team we've had so far yes so
1: i'm excited yes, to right, get into I, it I do you have sold. anything else you wanted to touch on? Um, no i might have undersold them like Jacob said, they have some extreme talent, um, and undoubtedly. Why don't Why don't least, I start it off? Yeah. Well, hold on. Are we doing? Where's what's Greg? What's Greg's role here? So he was supposed to do the bullpen. Do so we have his bullpen? I'll,
0: I have the no, I have the notes okay. here for it. So I'll just basically be reading out Greg's notes. And uh, Isaac and I didn't research the bullpen because that was Greg's job. <laughs> so if there's shit, please blame Greg, who is again. <laughs> um
1: once again pray for him so let's
0: start it out at catcher where we find our by far best catcher that we've had on one of these all-star all-time teams we've we've said it pretty much every time yeah it's catcher like whatever it's it's not a big deal no this is where we get our first good catcher this is a hall of famer he's very decorated 11 time all-star world series champion Three-time Gold Glove winner, five-time Silver Slugger. He is Gary Carter. He spent 12 years with the Expos, played catcher, right field, first base, and third base. So not just a catcher, but just an all-around utility, helpful guy defensively that actually led the Expos in defensive war in his career. He's also the franchise leader in war for the team. Um, but yeah,
1: Gary Carter. That's might a, a no-brainer. Might partner. I add the best Carter to play in Canada? Oh. <laughs> why, why you gotta do Joe like
0: that? Uh. Just let him touch them all. Just <laughs> let him have the moment. All right, let's move over to first base then. And that brings us the big cat, Andres Galarraga. So we actually kind of mentioned him a little bit when we talked about. The Rockies' all time team because he was a guy that we were considering for an honorable mention. Obviously, he didn't overtake Todd Helton, but he had uh, his best careers number wise in Colorado. However, he was still a very valuable team or a very valuable player for this Expos team. And honestly, first base wasn't that deep for the Expos. So, this one to me is like kind of an obvious pick as well. He spent seven seasons of his career in Montreal. As I mentioned, then he went to Colorado. He spent some time in Atlanta, Texas and Anaheim as well. And then he returned to Montreal in his age 41 season. So we all know where his heart lies. He was an all-star in 1988. He also won silver slugger and finished seventh in MVP voting that year. He led the league in hits and doubles. He was actually a doubles machine for his career. If you look at his numbers, they're, they're pretty incredible. Um, He won two gold gloves and yeah, um, yeah I guess that's about it for for him you can jump in at any point here too if you, if I if I skim over something too quickly no you good okay well <laughs> second base we've got Jose Vidro he played in both an Expos and a Uni, which is kind of interesting there's not many guys on this I think he might be the only guy on this list actually that did that he was with the team from 1997 to 2006 three-time all-star Silver Slugger award winner his numbers with the team were 301 batting average, 363 on base, and an 821 OPS, 115 homers, 550 RBIs, 304 doubles, and the a really impressive thing to me, he hit 51 doubles in 2000. That's pretty impressive. He also had 1,186 games played with the Expos, so Jose Vidro, welcome. Um, I need to give an honorable mention at second base here to Delano De- De Shields who stole 187 bases in four seasons with the Expos. But outside of the stolen base numbers, his, uh, his overall numbers weren't as good as Jose Vidro's, So,
1: yeah. Trivia. Does Delano DeShields have a son?
0: Yes. Delano DeShields Jr., who played for the Texas Rangers. I don't
1: think his name is Junior. I think his, you should have just said Delano De DeShields. Done. I don't know.
0: Is Is that him, though? It is right.
1: <laughs> I was gonna come in with a fun fact. The Lino the De Shields and the DeShields the Shields are not related, but that would be so far fetched. There's no way that they're not father and son. <laughs> I don't know. Could be no, unrelated. They I mean, Del- the Lino,
0: the Lino, and the Shields. There's probably no. Those are the only two oh, people that have ever had that combination of name. You would it think. His right? on his baseball
1: yeah. references, he doesn't say junior, but. He is junior. Obviously he's junior, but I didn't think he went by junior.
0: What's he what is Delano DeShields junior doing Let's these check. days? I'm gonna look I'm I am going to look i have not I remember he, I remember right him now. wreaking havoc on the on the Blue Jays <laughs> for a while. <laughs> Anyways, well Isaac's looking that up. I will move on to third base. Someone who is near and dear to the 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 hearts of nationals fans, someone that is actually still with the team, I believe, and has spent his entire sixteen career sixteen year career with the Nats. Ryan Zimmerman is our third baseman for this all-time Expos Nationals team. He's a two-time All-Star, World Series champion in 2019, gold glove winner, two-time silver slugger, played 1,762 games for the Nationals. His career numbers are pretty solid, 277 average, 341 on base percentage, 474 slugging, and an 816 OPS. That is when you look at career numbers, I think you always have to look at it with a grain of salt and say, that's actually very impressive for a 16-year career, because obviously you go through ups and downs, and some of those down years will bring down the good stats a little bit, but uh, he's been a, a great player for them. Obviously, he has unfortunately dealt with some injuries and stuff. Um, he's also all over the all-time leaderboards, which is maybe to be expected when you spend 16 years with a team, but he is the franchise leader in at-bats, plate appearances, Runs, hits, total bases, doubles, homers, RBI, extra base hits, and a couple more things that aren't that fun.
1: Um, Yeah. Uh, Do you think Uh, this this was an easy? Do you think he takes the cake for face of this franchise? He is obviously one of the most, yeah, beloved players in franchise history, if not the most. So, aside from, I know there's guys that do have better numbers per season. Yeah. But ryan zimmerman means more to this organization in my opinion than anybody else does in that sense
0: i agree i agree with that um i think especially you know when they when they start out they're a new team he's there from them uh well he wasn't there from the beginning but you know he was a very integral part of like building this this core um and yeah like you said he's just been he's been there for them um not to quote the Friends theme song, but <laughs> if you can't tell, Deshields
1: Jr. is doing. He's in the he's in the Red Sox minor league system right now, at age twenty eight. Mm-hmm. Poor guy.
0: I kind of thought he was older than that, to be honest. No. Anyways, this is not about the Lionel Deshields Jr. because he's not very good. <laughs> let's uh, let's hit our last uh, infielder here. I hope that you're okay with this one, but I'm picking Trey Turner. He's no longer on the Nationals, as we talked about earlier. Just got recently traded to the Dodgers. Kind of wish Greg was here to, to read this one, RIP Greg. But he is a Trey Turner stan. He thinks that, you know, Trey Turner is potentially going to be the NL MVP. So, I, thinking of you, buddy. Um, he is only the 26th player in history to hit for the cycle twice. That's in MLB history. I think that's kind of cool fun fact about Trey Turner. He spent seven years with the Nationals 2015 until this season. 192 stolen bases is first among all Nationals slash Expos shortstops. He also had a career 300 batting average, 356 on base, and an 842 OPS. Uh, he also finished second in rookie of the year voting in 2016, where he stole 33 stolen, uh, stole 33 bases and had a slash line of 342. 342, 370 and 567 in 73 games played. Um, he finished second to his now teammate Corey Seager. So, yeah, that's uh that's it for the infield. Is there any anyone that you want to give an honorable mention to that I passed over or are these to me the infield was a little bit easier than where we yeah. once we get to the outfield, there's there's four guys that are all worthy of
1: being on the team so no i i think honestly like these positions are pretty clear like these are all all stars all mm-hmm. incredible players for this organization over the years so i don't think there's really any any debate debate i know normally we have like some back and
0: forths like a couple of the players will just you know it's like fuck man like i don't know who to choose i don't know like do we need to move them to another team this one was easier for me There was, was, like I said, when we get into the outfield, there was a couple questionable things that we had to think about, but for the most part, this team kind of uh, was easier to build. But without further ado, I've been talking too much. Why don't you give us your starting pitching?
1: All righty. Well, I mean, they've obviously had some amazing starters, most of them in the Nats era, obviously, as we have seen in recent times. Uh, First of all, I want to give an honorable mention to Pedro Martinez, who had four solid years prior to Boston, two all-star appearances with the one Cy Young win, which is the only Cy Young in Expo's era history in a season where he posted a 1.9 ERA and 241 innings, striking out 305, which works out to be an 11.4K per nine. His true home, however, is in Boston and that's where he's gonna be placed. So there's not I don't think there's really any debate about that. No. Um for this top spot, there's three guys on this list that are like easy shoe wins. But I mean for this number one slot, there might be a little bit of debate. They've all made strong cases. But my number one goes to the guys the guy with two colored different colored eyes, (laughs) who was on the Nats until two weeks ago. And watch his seven year tenure and go into the Dodgers to obviously go win a World Series, that I mean I inevitable? mean it's a slam dunk. <laughs> yeah, this an inevitable, inevitable World uh, Series.
0: Is this the the Golden State Warriors? <laughs> Kevin Durant joining the squad type of situation. Yeah. yeah it's a
1: layup. <laughs> it's over. Oh, another um,
0: basketball pun, was that intended? That was good.
1: Yes. <laughs> I well we went to Duncan to Kevin Durant to s- layup. lay up. So layup easier than the dunk in this era. I don't know. Who knows? I mean, they're both easy for guys that are 6'8". Neither of them so are easy for me. <laughs> we're a 5'8", for those listening, and we don't jump very well. Anyways, <laughs> Max Scherzer <laughs> won two of his three Cy Young Awards in Washington. Either was obviously Detroit. All-star in five of his seven seasons. He threw two no-hitters in 2015. He also had a 48-inning no-run streak. 488 innings. What was Jacob Degrom's inning streak? It was less than this, and people were freaking out. It this man like, in 2015 had a 48 inning no run streak. Wait, did you say two 48 no or 400? 48. 48. Oh my God! Imagine uh, that's, 400. And eight. I thought you <laughs> said. Two I streets. thought you
0: said the first time. I thought you said 488. <laughs> oh. I'm like, that's impossible. <laughs> what are you he, talking about?
1: He pitched two and a half seasons without giving up a run, giving up a run. I His year just, A is zero. Listen, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna
0: blame the Vax again. Uh I think I'm yeah, things. hallucinate <laughs> audio hallucinations. I mean
1: I don't speak very clearly sometimes, so but he also he has a second highest pitching war after a number two starter. But he's also one of the only eleven pitchers to have at least eight seasons of two hundred strikeouts or more since nineteen hundred. Impressive. Wild. Yeah. In we'd the lo- twenty nineteen World se- <laughs> In the twenty nineteen World Series run one run. He went three and zero with a two point four ERA with thirty seven Ks in thirty innings of work. If he never returns to Washington, he will have finished with a ninety two and forty seven record with a two point eight ERA, point nine six WHIP under one and a two point nine two WHIP. I mean, FIP. Friggin' amazing career. Yeah, it's those Hall seven years fame. right there put him in the Hall of Fame. Yep. Those seven years alone. Yeah. Um, and we have to mention he had aside young victory, before he even arrived. Yep. Um, okay, number two, the Expos, number one. Steve Rogers spent 13 seasons in Montreal from 1973 to 1985. And as I just said, Max Scherzer was second in war for pitchers next to Steve Rogers, who spent his entire career in Montreal. Steve Rogers is also their all-time leader in wins, innings, complete games, and shutouts. He's a five-time All-Star and won the ERA total title sorry, with a 2.4 ERA, 2.4 ERA in 1982, finishing second in Cy Young Voting. Steve Rogers gave the organization quantity and quality throughout his career. He finished his career with a 3.17 ERA with a closely aligned 3.2 FIP over the course of 2,837 two-thirds innings. Um, my number three, any idea where I'm going here? Play on the same team as Max Scherzer. Anyways, it was Steve Rogers as you ran away when I was talking to myself. Um, so, number three is Steven Strasberg, was number one overall draft pick for this organization and has been in the major league since 2010 with this organization. He's the only starter that is currently on the Nats, number one draft pick, as I said, in 2009. The either often injured or often dominant Steven Strasburg is currently in his twelfth season with Washington. He's injured. third in WAR <laughs> injured, <laughs> of course. Uh, third in WAR after his two fellow rotation mates, franchise leader in strikeouts at seventeen eighteen. So seventeen hundred eighteen, if you didn't realize 17 18 is that no, um, i appreciate it i need help <laughs> with the numbers today <laughs> perhaps his biggest highlight is the 2019 world series mvp he's the first pitcher to go 5-0 and in the playoffs playoffs in major league history he pitched in six games five starts and posted a 1.98 era in the nl wildcard game he pitched three scoreless innings out of the bullpen which played a major part in sparking that run Strasburg has a 1.46 career year playoff ERA, which is third behind Mariano Rivera and Sandy Koufax among all time pitchers who have thrown at least 40 innings. That is pure hall of fame company. Hmm. Absolutely insane. How much he stepped into the plate in the playoffs. Uh, He signed a massive seven year extension going into 2020, which will see him making $35 million in each of those through 2026. However, $86 86 million of that is deferred to the years of 2027 to 2029. So he'll be making 86 million dollars in the first three years of his retirement, assuming he retires in 2027. Um, he has a he has a full no trade clause. Very high probability that Strasburg will be a rare case of a player who spent the entirety of his career with the same organization that drafted him. Um, his injuries or concerns are like, super real. That contract is a little scary. Yeah. Um, which may be what holds him back from being the top on the top of this list. I don't think
0: so, though. Well, on the top of this list, yeah. Currently, yeah. But um, he, has he has a... Like, doesn't he have, like, thoracic outlet syndrome or something? Some sort of, like, shoulder injury that it's the same... I'm pretty sure it's the same thing that Corey Kluber had, and it's just really, really, really hard to come back from. Obviously, we're we're rooting for him because he's... An awesome player to watch when when he's on the bump, but it's
1: yeah. it's been an unfortunate unfortunate ride for him because there's no way we wouldn't be talking about him with the likes of Clayton Kershaw, mm-hmm. uh, Justin Verlander, and Max Scherzer if he hadn't been injured so frequently. Hmm. Um, anyways, my number four, El Presidente, Dennis Martinez, nineteen eighty six to nineteen ninety three. Eight seasons total in Montreal. He's the first player in MLB history to play to be from Nicaragua, which is cool. Wow. Uh, he's actually fourth in pitching war in this franchise, so the placement is fitting. Uh, he pitched for 23 seasons during his career, lasting to the age of 44. So it's Bartolo range.
0: We love that. Uh, we love the old time.
1: <laughs> four-time All-Star, three of which in Montreal. He also received the ERA title in 1991 with a 2.39 ERA and only managed to finish 5th in Cy Young voting. So I don't know how that makes any sense. Um, he also led the majors in shutouts that year. So two things that should equal Cy Young winner. I love shutouts. number outs. 5. Shutouts are like number my five. favorite stat. That's why I'm such also, a big Roy Halladay stan. Also, in that same year, 1991... He threw the only perfect game in franchise history. So once again, why I ask, why did he finish fifth? I don't know who finished ahead of him. I don't even want to know. That might answer your question. There's questions. no way. He led the league in ERA and had led the league in shutouts and also pitched a perfect game. Yeah. Fifth place. There's not. There's not. No way. Four pitchers pitched better than that. Because
0: they weren't competitive at the time, right? Yeah, true. Well, that's but, some bullshit. And like I, and I bet you, what valuable. was it? What do you know, do? You have his win-loss record for that season too.
1: I didn't want to look at it because I I'm bet not you looking
0: at that. Well, I bet you that that's something that the people that were fucking voting for Cy Young back in the day,
1: dude. In franchise picked. history, in Expos history, they have like four winning seasons.
0: Never forget <laughs> that Rick Porcello won a Cy Young because oh my God. because that's of true. wins. It
1: happens. <laughs> back to Dennis because. I, oh, my God, Procello. He posted a career 3.06 ERA during his time in Montreal, which is a full run better than his career anywhere outside of Canada. Crazy little stat here. He finished his career with 3,999.2 innings. He oh, was man. one out short of throwing 4,000 innings. So I don't know what the fuck happened. That's depressing. Why he can't just come back for one day and just throw one more out, but... Those Dude, that, that, that
0: reminded me of do you remember Mark Burley? He was like he was like one <laughs> inning away from having like a crazy span of like, you know, I think it was like ten straight seasons with two hundred plus innings or something like that, and he literally just couldn't get through the inning. Like I wonder if that was the same yeah. situation <laughs> that happened. I think uh, he gave yeah. he gave up like nine runs or something, and they're like, All right, man, I'm sorry, we gotta take you
1: out of here. And that was it. Oh, uh, what a sad way to end a career. <laughs> yeah. Uh, number five It's a, This is a close call between two guys That also played on the same rotation In the same era as Scherzer and Strasburg That is Gio Gonzalez or Jordan Zimmerman But the edge goes to Gio Gonzalez who pitched Seven seasons from 2012 to 2018 Crazy that three guys In this rotation actually pitched On the same real life rotation as well Yeah. Uh, he's the best lefty Starter in franchise history and he was often overshadowed, shadowed obviously, by Scherzer and Strasburg. He's not an ace, but he was a strong sh- starter nonetheless. In 2012, he won 21 games, which is a single-season mark in franchise history. That's why I'm pointing out wins. I thought
0: wins didn't matter. Um,
1: yeah. <laughs> wins don't matter unless you are the franchise you leader a in a single season. You gotcha. break a record, you got it. He also pitched to a 2.82 FIP, which led the league and had a 2.89 ERA, 207 strikeouts and finished third in Cy Young voting. Hmm. Do you know who uh, won the NL, Cy Young, in 2012? I'll give you a hint, the Blue Jays had the worst fucking year in 2013 because of this quote unquote ace.
0: Oh my God. I don't that know. That
1: couldn't throw a harder fastball than 83 because all he threw was knuckleballs. Oh <laughs> my God. R.A. Dickey. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, you have to give me a lot there for me to fucking pick up on that one, eh?
1: Uh, Ari Dickey won the Cy Young, and that was fine. I th- and then he—I should have known that. That's. Bad. And then he came to Toronto, and he was obviously Ari Dickey. He's a knuckleball pitcher. It's all luck.
0: Hey, don't um, don't hate on Dickey, man. People <laughs> people hate on him because he came off a Cy Young year,
1: but he had uh, you know he two hmm, innings. Uh, can you believe a knuckleball pitcher won a Cy Young?
0: That's yeah, it's nuts. I wonder if like pitchers a ball with those
1: spin. Um, Anyways, in 2017, Gio posted a 2.96 ERA, which was good for 5th place in the NL, but was only 3rd. So 5th place in the NL, but 3rd place on his own rotation. (laughs) So, crazy rotation. Um, In the end, he pitched to a 3.62 ERA with a 3.45 whip over 213 starts in his career with Washington, which is pretty crazy. So, obviously, honorable mention... To Pedro Jordan Zimmerman, who actually threw the first no hitter in Nats era history, so he's got that little thing. Uh, Jeff Acero and LeVon Hernandez, and that will go back to you now. If you want to finish off your outfield or do your like Greg's quick little bullpen, just fly through that real quick. No, I don't have that
0: open yet. So let's uh, let's get into the outfield here. Um, right. So starting it out. We have, and I'm just going to I'll preface this by saying we're moving into the outfield here. I'm putting three Hall of Famers in the outfield. That's pretty impressive. I don't think we've had a, an all Hall of Famer outfield yet. Um, and the guy that maybe has a case for being in this three as well is a potential Hall of Famer, potential future Hall of Famer. So without further ado, we have Andre Dawson this is a pretty easy one, especially when you look at his tenure with Montreal. He was there for 11 years, which was 1976 to 1986. He's an eight-time All-Star, three times with the Expos. Eight-time Gold Glove winner, all eight were with the Expos. Four-time Silver Slugger, he won MVP with the Cubs, finished second in 1983 with the Expos. In his 11 seasons in Montreal, he hit 225 home runs and stole 253 bases. So he had that nice little, you know, speed and power combo. He also had a 280 average and an 806 OPS. This was basically because he had a few mediocre seasons mixed in there that kind of pulled that down, but he had some exceptional years. Uh, He also won Rookie of the Year with Montreal in 1997. He went on to actually have a ton of success in six seasons with the Cubs but you know he went into the Hall of Fame with the Expos logo on the cap and you know it's where his career really got started and everything so um, yeah I think that it's it's a no-brainer that he is on this Expos all-time team Um, also the Cubs outfield is probably going to be pretty deep when we actually dive into that anyways so you know and eleven years versus six years, even though like his six years in Chicago were really really good, I think it, you know, yeah, I justify it. Uh, also, he won a home run derby with the Cubs in nineteen eighty seven. So I love shouting out the guys that win the home run derby because I love that competition. <laughs> Next, I'm going to actually save the the best for last for for the majority Blue Jays fans that we have here. But Tim Raines is. Our second outfielder for this team. He's arguably one of the better switch hitters of all time. Spent 13 years with the Expos. We love a long tenure. 79 to 1990. All of his seven All Star appearances came with Montreal. He had unbelievable stolen base numbers. I don't know if you've dove into Tim Raines at all, Isaac, but he was a legendary base stealer. He Okay. Just listen to these numbers from 1981 to 1987. These are his stolen base, stolen base numbers. 71, 78, 90, 90, 90, (laughs) 75, 70, and then 50. That's fucking nuts. And he's not one of those guys we were talking about earlier that just had a shit ton of attempts he actually stole bases at an 85% clip, which is a franchise record. When it was all said and done, he stole 635 bases for the Expos. Um, where did I have that? Oh yeah, his his 808 career stolen bases. As I mentioned, he only stole 635 with the Expos, but he did go on to play with some other teams. Um, 808 career stolen bases is fifth all-time in MLB history. So he is not even arguably he literally is one of the best base stealers in mlb history
1: um he may be i mean ricky henderson is an all-time leader in caught stolen bases he had 42 caught stolen bases one year so um that's fucked up yeah how many bases did he steal <laughs> uh that's not important he only stole 130
0: oh my god a <laughs> hundred and thirty
1: I'm gonna do this thing
0: every now and then where I blow the mic out for important moments. So let me know if it hurts your ears and if I need to stop. Anyways, I killed. Him. <laughs> batted 301 with a 391 on base percentage and an 829 OPS. He also had an OPS of or OPS plus of 131. He's all over the Nats Expos all time leaderboard. Tim Raines, no doubt, all time team.
1: Jacob, yes sir. Did I say uh? ricky hernandez or did i say henderson please tell me i said henderson i'm pretty sure you said henderson okay because i i I, i've gotten really bad with names (laughs) it's i know who ricky
0: henderson is sometimes it's people need to understand that sometimes when you're podcasting you fuck off okay you say stuff you say stuff and then you just for like you you don't realize that you make a mistake and then we go back and listen we're like oh my god what
1: i was just thinking about the 130 and i was like did I say the right name? Or as an star example,
0: star? as an example, last week Greg and I were talking about the Blue Jays rotation, and I I made zero mention of Steven Matz. It's like I just forgot that he existed. But he anyways, <laughs> I mean he doesn't. You barely
1: exist. mentioned Alec Manoa, by the way. I did mention him. He's been barely. Awesome. Anyways, just, this is I didn't mention him like the eighth starter. Hey, anyways, go ahead. this is about the no. Expos. It's not the, it's not about the Expos. It's about the Nats. Expos and the Nats than that's it's a combo
0: this whole outfield is just expos so suck it i'm right
1: yeah but there are no expos fan to watch whatever play in okay
0: <laughs> shut up so vladimir guerrero jr or er- <laughs> oh no oh, vladimir Vladdy guerrero jr.
1: is the ex- <laughs> <laughs> no we are claiming no all you- guerreros in no, no, canada no, you
0: didn't let me finish vladimir guerrero jr. <laughs> jr's dad that's what i was gonna say <laughs> vlad guerrero is this third and final outfielder for this Expos all-time team. He was there from 1996 until they died, and he was the Expos team leader in slugging percentage, 588, batting average, 323, OPS, 978, at-bats per home run, intentional base on balls. He was also a nine-time All-Star, MVP winner, eight-time Silver Slugger, and the 2007 Home Run Derby champion. That came while he was with the Angels. But here's where the controversy is a little bit. We're putting him on this all-time Expos team. He, as we mentioned, everyone on in this outfield is a Hall of Famer. Vlad Guerrero being one of them. He went into the Hall of Fame with the Angels cap. So, it, it's a little, you know, I might get some arguments from people that maybe he should have been on the Angels team. But this is why... I think we have to have him on this team. He was there for kind of like the sloppy ending of that franchise, as you mentioned. I think that probably left a bit of a bad taste in his mouth. Like you said, it was just like a mismanaged kind of uh, franchise leading up until them going to the Nationals. So I think that probably affected his his decision a little bit. Overall, though, his numbers were actually just better in Montreal. If you compare them side by side, he was actually better in Montreal. One of the numbers that really jumps out to me in terms of him being better in Montreal was stolen bases. He had 123 in Montreal, first 52 in Anaheim. Um, he also had uh, 240 plus home run seasons in Montreal. He didn't do that anywhere else. So to me, but he's an expert. And yeah, like you said, we're but cla- but we're claiming all the all the Vladis, all the Vlad Grays <laughs>
1: I'm just one day we'll be able to put their numbers side by side and debate which one of them had a better career. Um, yeah. That'll be, that'll be fun. Who, who wants to retire with a team that doesn't even exist? And like, honestly, there's a new generation of Expos fans that maybe do deserve a team and want a team. But in Vladimir Guerrero's years, there was nobody to watch him. Mm-hmm. Nobody watched him play baseball. He didn't have a crowd until he went to LA so, you got to understand why he might go into the Hall of Fame as an angel, but mm-hmm. I he like there's no doubt if he had good fan support, and this team did not have such poor organization, such a poor organization around him that he would have gone as an expo.
0: I think another f- uh, factor too may be that he had uh, he won his MVP with Anaheim. Yeah so that i think might be a factor as well. He also finished third in MVP voting twice with the Angels.
1: So, yeah. Um, I mean, he had a pretty damn good career anymore. If if we could split players, this is another example of he should yeah, be in he'd two. He should be on both teams. But but we yeah, like we like Jiga said we want him in Canada. The Vladis are ours. Yeah, we're selfish.
0: We're stealing him.
1: We're not letting Vladi Jr go anywhere else.
0: He also had 8 years in I don't I didn't even mention this. He had 8 years in Montreal versus 6 with the Angels. So, if you're going off a tenure as well, then that takes the cake as well. But yeah, Um, do you know who the? I'm sure you do know. We talked about him earlier in the podcast. You want to give a little piece about Bryce Harper, or do you want me to read? Yeah,
1: (laughs) I mean, I. Do you want me to just go over some of your things, or do you want me to jump into? No, give me give me your thoughts on,
0: on Bryce Harper potentially being on this Nationals. We so because they're a National League team. We kind of have to make it like the bench spot, but hopefully, eventually, you know, that they put the universal DH in. I don't know how Isaac feels about that, but uh, yes, Bryce Harper would yes. probably be our DH then. So,
1: um, I think this is going to be the exact same scenario as Vlad Guerrero because I think there is no way he goes down with the Nats.
0: He signed a thirteen-year signed- deal with the Phillies.
1: Is and he disrespect the Nat like he said that organization didn't want to win. They didn't want to build a team around him. They weren't good to him, all that. So he's not going to go down with the Nats, but at this point, so it's going to be interesting 10 years down the line. If he had, a tr- if he has this tremendous career that we're expecting that he should, won't be on this list. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so obviously right now he's easily on this list. Um, being the Nats' only other number one, number one draft pick that blossomed into a superstar. Mm-hmm. Well, they actually they've only had two number one draft picks as it is. Um, they didn't miss. But anyways, go ahead, Jacob.
0: Yeah. No. So what I what I wanted to point out about Bryce Harper, like Isaac said, um, and we've discussed it at nauseum. He signed a thirteen year deal with the Phillies. He spent six years, I believe, with the. Nationals of oh, 7 years actually with the Nationals. So, when it's all said and done, he'll have spent more time with the Phillies than the Nationals and you know that's where he got his big um you know, his his big contract and everything. But as we discussed earlier, he's been an all-star. He was an all-star in 6 of the 7 years with the Nationals. He hasn't been he hasn't been an all-star yet with the Phillies. We don't know. What the second half of his career will look like. So, as it stands right now, he's on this Nationals team. But when we look back at this at the end of his career, um, yeah, it's very likely that he we might have to rearrange the teams a little bit and trade him to to the Phillies. You know, um, we kind of talked about it earlier, Isaac, about like how highly touted he was coming into it and how he was like the golden boy. I just wanted to point out uh, he was the first overall draft pick. Of the Nats in 2010. He also won the Golden Spikes Award, which is given to the best amateur player in the US. Uh, He was also on the Sports Illustrated cover in 2009. And the headline was The Chosen One Talk About Pressure. They're basically comparing him, I think, to like Jesus Christ in baseball form. So uh, pretty (laughs) wild. Um, I actually don't know if that's a religious thing. I don't know anything about religion. Anyways. Uh many people, you know, still talk about that showcase Homer he hit that was like over five hundred feet at Tropicana Field. He hit like the wall or something at uh there, um, albeit with an aluminum bat. But that was kind of like a big thing that was in that article and stuff too. Um but yeah, some of some of the accolades so far in his career that we didn't touch on earlier, he's a six time all star, as I mentioned, uh, six of the seven years with the Nationals. He was an all-star. He's also a Rookie of the Year uh, winner, 2015 MVP and Silver Slugger. Isaac already talked about his 2015 season, but it was wild. Um, you can rewind if you want to to hear to hear those numbers. Um, 2018 Home Run Derby champion that took place in Washington. That was one of the best uh, home run derbies in in recent memory, at least in my eyes. Anytime you get the home the home guy winning it, it's pretty exciting. Um, so, 10 year, we're 10 years into Bryce Harper's career, and as I mentioned, we have three guys in the outfield already that are Hall of Famers. He is already 10 years in, well, already 10 years into his career. He's already made a case that like if his career ended today that he's a Hall of Famer. So, he's only 28. Here are his numbers. 278 batting average, 388 on-base percentage, 906 OPS. 251 home runs and 110 stolen bases he as I mentioned earlier too I think he has like four seasons or something with an on-base percentage higher than 400 so I I don't know it's crazy like you can't look at all-star games really as like a a benchmark I I still don't think because he didn't even make the all-star game this year and he still has a legit shot at National League MVP. So it's not always the best indicator, but we'll see. Um it kind of feels weird to have him on the bench spot, honestly. Uh, normally like on any of the other teams he'd be like a no brainer, put him in the outfield like he's a he's a one of the best players on the team. But I don't think you can can you make the case that he belongs here over any of those other three guys?
1: I vote we just Say fuck MLB's rules, and we the just bring in the universal DH. Yeah, and he's our DH. Although, yeah. I didn't look at defensive metrics for any of the guys. Does he have a case to be moved to one of the outfield positions over one of the?
0: Oh, athletes? versus like, and then put like one of the other guys at DH? I mean, yeah, I think you could maybe put Vladdy. Vlad
1: had a great arm, yeah, he did have a it's great arm, but.
0: Um, I think uh, Dawson was an eight-time Gold Glove winner, so you're not going to replace him. Yeah. Um, I didn't dive too deeply into the defensive metrics. Um, I know Tim Raines and Vladdy; neither of them won uh, a Gold Glove.
1: I do assume a guy stealing. Yeah, exactly. Right, you, ninety base, ninety eight hundred eight <laughs> career
0: stolen bases. You'd have to think he's a pretty mobile and uh, probably a, a pretty solid outfielder. So I don't know if you're replacing him. So maybe there's an argument, I guess, that Vlad, even though like you said he had a, a great arm, maybe there's an argument that Bryce Harper is a better defender than Vlad Guerrero was. So maybe he's an outfielder. And but you're not gonna put regardless. Like, both of these guys are on you're, this team. You're We're not doing gonna put D-ish. bench next to him. You know.
1: Alright when you release this on our Instagram This better go as a DH Or I'm protesting I'm taking the post down
0: No I can't Because people would be like Are you fucking dumb You guys have a baseball podcast And you think that there's a DH in the National League
1: I guess our reply well, would just those be Those bum should to listen to our fucking podcast then Because they're wrong There is a DH There was a DH in 2020 We're going by 2020 standards
0: That's true The 2020 <laughs> Mickey Mouse season That is the be all end all um, yeah. Yeah. Any any uh, other honorable mentions you want to give here before I open up Greg's uh, bullpen because we didn't even get to that, and I'm just gonna rip through his bullpen also.
1: Hmm. Shout out Hallie, Howie Kendrick. Yep.
0: That's a good one. He's my
1: favorite. My favorite. I don't care what he did. <laughs> I, he killed it. He was huge in that World Series. So I mean, yeah. there's that. But Outside of that, I mean, Howie Kendrick is one of my faves all time. in Nationals, I honestly I don't know a single Montreal Expo aside of the guys we talked about. Mm -hmm. Um, They they stood head over heels over everybody else. I would assume. Yeah. Because they had they had this much talent, and they had like four winning seasons. What is that (laughs) like? Who who is behind these guys?
0: Yeah, I think at second base, um, there was maybe. A little bit of potential or even shortstop. I'm just looking at Greg's list here. He has Hubie Brooks and Orlando Cabrera as well uh, as let me shortstop. See, uh, he let me also see Brooks. he also had uh Tim Wallach as the third baseman. That's oh. just that's a classic Greg No Feel pick, thinking that Ryan Zimmerman isn't the third baseman for this all time <laughs> franchise team.
1: Wait, Man. he had him as the starting one?
0: Yeah, he had Tim Wallach.
1: Let me see Tim Wallach's stats.
0: But well Isaac's looking that stuff up, uh for our honor. you on Wallach. 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 Oopsie. I'm pulling up here's here's his numbers, Isaac. He had a seven thirty two all time OPS. There you go. He's so, average. Yeah. Done. Not as good as as um as a, as a yeah. Oh, my God.
1: What what is happening? Am I having a stroke? Ryan Zimmerman. Ryan Zimmerman. (laughs) There's a known side effect of the vaccine. No, that's only the AstraZeneca. I'm good. I didn't have that. Um,
0: (laughs) But, yeah. Anyways, yeah, definitely not Tim Wallach. I don't know what the hell Greg was thinking. But, anyways, uh, here is Greg's uh, bullpen. So, number one, he's got Tim Reardon. He is the franchise leader in saves with 152, spent six seasons as an expo, two-time all-star. He also was the 1985 Relief Man of the Year. <laughs> Greg has written here, uh, presented by aids I don't know if that was an important fact <laughs> that he wanted to mention. Um, but yeah, uh, he's third in franchise history in ERA. Uh, that's of qualified pitchers with a minimum of 500 innings pitched. Uh, just behind Scherzer and Tim Burke.
1: Wait, I missed whole, who, who was that reliever? I was looking something up. Jeff Reardon. Oh, okay.
0: Um, he's, yeah. Anyways, um, so yeah, Jeff Reardon is gonna be the number one in this. He also uh, had most games finished in franchise history with two hundred and eighty-one. So, Jeff Reardon, welcome. At uh, number two, we've got Tim Burke. He has the best ERA in franchise history. As Greg said above, that's a minimum of 500 innings pitched. That ERA is a tidy 261. He had seven years as an expo. Franchise leader in games pitched with 425. Um, one-time All-Star, 101 saves. Next, number three, he's got Sean Doolittle. I like this pick, honestly. Uh he meant a lot to this franchise. Four years with the Nationals, eighth in Expo slash Nationals all-time saves list was 75. Led the league in 2019 with games finished with 55. He was an all-star and was a big part of that 2019 season in which the Nationals won the World Series. Uh, he also has honorable mentions here to John Wetland and Mel Rojas. So, yeah. But yeah, that's it.
1: I'm just trying to find the connection between Reardon and aids
0: No, 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 no. That wasn't. It was. He was the 1985 Relief Man of the Year and the Relief oh, Man of the Year. Is, uh, it's, it's like the Rollades uh, relief.
1: Send me up. I wasn't listening. I was. I thought Greg I mean, presented listen. this reward. This award for Jeff Reardon was. <laughs> Presented, presented by, by Role aids. aids No, it's because it's... I'm looking up and this guy suffered from indigestion. Yeah.
0: <laughs> There's like a long article about his how his career would have been better if he didn't have indigestion. If he didn't like have that.
1: heartburn every day.
0: Yeah, no, it's the 1985 Rolades aids relief man uh, of fuck. the year.
1: Yeah. Well, now I feel like an idiot. Yeah, you should.
0: That's okay, though.
1: I already did, but that's the that's usual, typical thing.
0: Anyways, uh, Ron Fairley was another guy that Greg had as an honorable mention here for first base.
1: But uh, that's it. Brad Hand. Shout out Brad Hand. Blue Jay. <laughs> Making a great debut in Toronto. Yeah,
0: thanks for coming out, bud. All <laughs> right. Thank you so much for listening. As we mentioned, uh, Greg is no longer with us. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> there you go, we, uh, we should probably check on him. We
0: should check on him, actually. What if he did die? That'd be tragic. <laughs> this uh,
1: podcast is going to be live in. This is
0: fucked up. Uh, All right, this has gone too far. I need to go to bed. We're recording this too late at night. But... I'm going to try this outro one more time. Thank you so much for listening to Diamond Gems, a Shape by Sports baseball podcast. If you want to follow along, we are on Instagram at Shaped by Sports. We also have a website called Shaped by Sports.com, where we post blogs and lots of other sports related content, not just baseball. So if you're into that, check us out. See you next week.